Tonight on the podcast, we're talking about the Chris Hemsworth Hulk Hogan biopic not being a done deal, brother. Bryce Dallas Howard potentially doing more Star Wars, directing more Star Wars. A One Punch Man live action. WWE chairman Vince McMahon in hot water. Jeff Hardy in hot water. Venom 3. And oh, so much more. Hit that intro. It is Friday night in Phoenix, and you're listening to the Absolute Geek Podcast. My name is Matt, and of course, I'm flying solo this week. Solo 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 flying high on my own the king of absolute geek taking on his court by himself now that's giving myself too much credit i know but you know if you can't feel yourself who's gonna feel you sometimes am i right i hope you guys had a great week it's finally friday it feels like a long time coming but you made it congratulations and if you're listening back on this on monday I'm sorry that you're looking down the barrel of another Monday, but we're here to help make that day a little bit better if you're listening to the playback. And of course, we're helping to make your Friday night just as great. Thank you for stopping by. Thank you for checking out the channel. This is your first time here. Guys, if you haven't done so yet, I want to start off right off the bat by saying, make sure you check out the first episode of Absolute Geek Quickie. It was good stuff, good video game stuff by Max. And Tyler, I want to welcome Tyler to the Absolute Geek family. It's good to have you here. I can't wait for more good stuff to come from YouTube and future quickie episodes. Also, check out my playthrough of the first two episodes. They call them episodes, but they're really levels. First two chapters, levels, episodes, whatever you want to call it, of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Shredder's Revenge. Uh, We got on the gaming stuff. We're trying to pump out more content for you guys to watch um, on the channel. So we're trying to get those subs up. Uh, So if you haven't done so yet, make sure to like and subscribe. I'll tell you what, if we hit, back to way here, if we hit 400 subs, we're going to do a giveaway. I know the guys over at the Quickie have a giveaway going. They have an awesome, awesome Star Wars pop giveaway going. But if we hit 400 subs by... End of July, 400 subs by the end of July. We're almost there. I think we're at 360 on on the YouTube. We've got so many more listeners, and if you're a listener, you can enter this too. Just make sure you go to the YouTube channel and subscribe. If not, if you're already subscribed, leave a comment. Um, leave a comment on any of the videos, and we'll put you in a random gen- generator to win this beautiful, beautiful, beautiful bunny mask T-shirt. Brought to you by the great people over at aftershock comics read dangerously if you're not reading bunny mask check it out it's in volume two it's a great read um you can pick up the trades or the single issues at your lcs do so next time you stop in guys again i'm flying solo this week because max and lance well they're taking their bromance to the next level they have officially are i think they're trying to elope um i think they went to colorado to elope uh, don't tell their wives. It's getting it's getting a little dicey, and their their bromance is going to the next level. So we want to wish them all the best of luck moving forward, and whatever uh, happens in Colorado stays in Colorado, boys. Um, hope you have a good time. Take care, brush your hair, you know, all that good stuff. Um, but that means again, I'm flying solo this week. I was gonna have P and Marco from Renovision on, but I just kind of felt like. I I kind of had last minute things going on and and had to push this episode. And if you're watching it, you probably noticed that this episode is pre-recorded. Well, it's pre-recorded because we've got some family stuff going on um, that I need to attend to. So I'm not able to be here live to do it for you. And I wanted to make sure that you guys had a show. You deserve a show. You deserve content in your life. So let's uh, get that road to a thousand subs going. I want to hit a thousand subs. By the time 
Aaron and I get married. So I'd like to hit a thousand subs by November. We're at 360. We're killing it. We got some great giveaways. We got some great content coming up. Uh, I'm planning on trying to bring back Matt in a matinee, my movie review podcast. Uh, maybe I'll try and get Aaron to do that with me. We'll see how that goes. But right now, we've got a lot of great content for you. We're trying to get together a playthrough of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Shredder's Revenge with me, Max, and Lance. Um, great content, great guests, great guest hosts. We got we got a lot of stuff coming up. So that being said, um, thank you for being here. Thank you for being in the chat. Thank you for everyone who's always so active. We appreciate it. We love you guys. And uh, we couldn't ask for a better friends because I don't want to call you listeners. You're friends. If you ever talk to us or you converse with us, we quickly become friends. Um, so, yeah, with that being said, we're going to kick off this week's episode by getting into a little bit of geek news. Geek news. Geek news. Fuck yeah. Excellent. That's probably not going to be the intro for Geek News, but I just had to load it up in the deck and I thought, why not? Our first star story tonight kicking off Geek News. We've got the announcement that Lady Gaga is in the early stages, early talks, if you will, to join Joaquin Phoenix and Todd Phillips' sequel to The Joker, which is supposed to be a musical, and Lady Gaga is going to play Harley Quinn. Listen, I think, you know what? I think this, this calls for a little... A little back... What do, I, what do I want to listen to? What, what kind of? There we go. Just, just a little background music tonight. Um, yeah, Lady Lady Gaga playing Harley Quinn in the Joker two, and it's a musical. That screams troll to me right off the bat. It screams troll to me that they're trying to keep people off of the trail of what's really going to happen in the Joker too. They want to keep you guessing. The Joker one was such a massive hit uh, as far as DC movies go, really as far as any superhero movies go, um, as a standalone property. So they want to keep you guessing. They want to keep you coming back. They want you to come back from work. And I think the casting of and saying that um, Harley Quinn is, or that Joker 2, excuse me, it's going to be a musical feels like a troll to me because like I said, they just, they want Todd Phillips to kind of be their head of DC and take this property and take this, um, franchise. Sorry. I'm just trying to find a music to listen to in the background here. Maybe none of this works. I don't know. We'll try this. Um, we'll try this. Um, sorry. I'm playing with the music here. Um, all right. So, does this work as a musical? Do they lose so much direction with the Joker 2 if they go to a musical? I think so. I think it's just, like I said, a giant troll because they're trying to keep everything hush-hush. They want to keep you on your toes. They want to keep this movie as exciting as the first one. They want to build on that success. Not a lot of people like musicals. All right? There are some musical fans out there. I'm just going to stop this music. There are some musical fans out there, but not a lot of people dig musicals. So they're risking hurting their numbers by making this musical. And unless they're trying to play on maybe like the thought that this might intrigue people or that this might like get you to go to the theater just because you're like a Joker musical, how's this going to work? How, how are they going to do this? This, you know, I've got to see this and it's going to put your butt in seats. I don't think that's the case, but where do you go to build off the first one? Because this is not, 
Joaquin Phoenix, although he was a fantastic Joker and is one of my, and is probably my favorite Joker. He he's right, right up there with Heath Ledger to me. Um, he's definitely not the type of Joker you would expect to see go up against the Batman. And rightfully so. This universe, I think, would benefit more from a Commissioner Gordon-type rivalry. So, you know, maybe Commissioner Gordon is just starting out on his beat. He's just a beat cop. You know, this is, you know, their chess game. And then later on, because if you read the comics, there's three Jokers. Um, Later on, maybe it builds into... The, the the Joker we know and love as Batman's arch nemesis is a copycat or takes up the mantle after something happens to Joaquin Phoenix's Joker or what have you. But Arthur Fleck is not equipped. Well, at least we don't think he's equipped to face off against the Batman. Who knows? Um I don't. I have faith in Todd Phillips after what he produced in the first one, but I smell kind of a work. If you're a wrestling fan, you know the term. I kind of smell a work when it comes to the news that Lady Gaga. I I fully believe that she's going to play Harley Quinn. It would be a smart move. Like if you've ever seen her in um, A Star Is Born, where she won an Academy Award, she's actually a really good actress on top of her singing career. So I would not be surprised to see her play Harley Quinn. And I think she would actually kill it as Harley Quinn, but I don't actually see this movie being a musical. I may be wrong, but to me, it, like I said, it smells like a work. You've got to build off of what you set in motion. Um, It just doesn't, I don't see how it being a musical is going to, to fit. And you kind of think like someone like Joaquin Phoenix, who, as we've said before, really chooses his roles and is a little bit more choosy about the stuff he does <clears throat> would, I, I don't, maybe it's outside of his realm enough to where he'd be like, yeah, I'll do that. Let's do it a musical. But I think that this property, since it won him his first Oscar for best actor um, would be a little bit more near and dear to him. And he'd want to take it to the next level and play a little more close to the chest. And I think, turning this movie into a musical would just make a mockery of the property. So I could be wrong. I could be completely wrong. And it might come out and be fantastic, fucking fantastic. But I can tell you for me personally, I'm not a musical fan. So my, um, there's been a bunch of movies that I've seen trailers for. And then like someone has said, Oh, well that's a musical. And I'm like, eh, all right, I'm, I guess I'm not interested in that anymore. So we'll see how it builds. We'll see where it goes once more comes out. It's still very early in not only her negotiations, but the planning stages. There is a script. We've all seen the photos of Joaquin Phoenix reading the script. Um, so we know there's a script, but I just, I think, like I said, it being a musical would turn people off from seeing a sequel to this movie. And I hope that's not the case. And I know me personally, if it was a musical, I would probably be less inclined to sit through it and watch a sequel. But moving on, we got Thor 4 set an MCU record for being the first film with partial nudity. Everyone knows the scene we're talking about Thor chained up in what looks like Olympus and he gets his clothes uh, blown off of him. And he's standing there naked, and it's just to make all the women in the audience swoon. Everyone's ready for a buffed-out, naked Chris Hemsworth. Are we going to see anything? Are we going to see his actual butt? Is it going to be blurred out? Who knows? But it was only a matter of time before this kind of stuff started happening in MCU, especially since there's been criticisms that have come out by other directors and writers saying that this MCU isn't realistic and that there isn't there should be sex and you should be seeing superheroes have sex yada 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 so it doesn't surprise me that they would go for the nudity and it doesn't surprise me that it would be in such a comedic shtick um i like the the loki helmet tattoo on thor's back 
kind of makes it look like maybe Thor, Loki's been pranking Thor and tattooing him this entire time or drawing on this entire time since they've been kids. But really, I don't see why this is a big deal. Um, it, it's just a it's just a way to get butts and seats and sell a little more tickets. I think um, it, it's getting a PG thirteen restriction. Uh, the conditions behind the ratings are relatively uncommon for the MCU as Love and Thunder sports intense sequences of sci-fi violence and action language, some suggested materials, and partial nudity. Many installments in the ever-growing universe included intense violence and action, but the fourth for, uh, fourth Thor movie would be the first to feature partial nudity. And they, it's Chris Hemsworth, but we all saw it in the trailer. And I think they purposely strategic put it, strategically put it in the trailer to gauge more uh, interest from, you know, people who, women or men who swoon over Chris Hemsworth and his bluffed out bod. So there you go. Moving on. Thor brother or not Thor. Chris Hemsworth says Hulk Hogan biopic may not happen after all brother. And what he's talking about is, um, Basically, he he's not sure what's going on with the movie. Uh, he was spoke with Chris Van Velt, a prominent professional wrestling journalist, to promote his to promote his Netflix movie uh, Spiderhead. He was asked about the status of the planned Hulk Hogan biopic. Hemsworth did not make it seem like either he or director Todd Phillips, hey Joker, Todd Phillips, could be feeling the power of Hulkamania anytime soon. Chris was quoted as saying, "Todd is busy doing the Joker too, I believe." And I've been off doing other films. It's all in conversations and in development. And like a lot of things, a lot of things need to come together for it to happen. But I don't have 24-inch pythons yet. Um, remember in 2019, he signed on to play, Hulk, to play Hulk Hogan in this Netflix biopic. Hulk Hogan gave him his seals of approval. We've seen images of him getting jacked and, and bulked up, which you thought was for... Uh, this role of Hulk Hogan, Hulkamania brother, one of the biggest wrestling superstars in WWE slash WWF history. But that's not the case. It was he's saying it was actually for his Thor Love and Thunder role. Um so, so yeah, it's again, he said Todd, like he said, Todd Phillips is attached to direct Joker 2 and collaborate with Scott Silver, writing the screenplay, producing alongside Hemsworth and Phillips and actor Bradley Cooper, and Eric Bischoff. You all know if you're a wrestling fan, you all know all the great Eric Bischoff. Um, good Eric Bischoff story for me is it was when he was doing his run with WWE, early 2000s. Um, we They were in Grand Rapids, Michigan. Me and a few friends went to the wrestling show, and we were going to get food afterwards, and they stayed across the street and ate at this diner or restaurant across the street from the arena. And my buddy who was driving the car almost hit Eric Bischoff as he was crossing the street. And so that's my Eric Bischoff story. But, uh, but yeah, so Hulk Hogan biopic may not be as far as long as everyone thought. I'd like to know your opinions on that. Are you, are you excited for a Hulkamania biopic or because of the, re all the controversy Hulk Hulkamania or Terry Bollea or whatever you want to call him has been surrounded down in does that sour your opinion on needing a Hulkamania movie? Do you want to see a movie about Hulk Hogan's life? And really is Chris Hemsworth the right person to play Hulk Hogan? I'd love to know your opinions and thoughts on all that, but Hulkamania doesn't look like it's going to be running wild anytime soon. Our next story, we're sticking with the Chris Hemsworth train, sticking with that sexy, sexy Hemsworth. Ooh, I can just hear Aaron listening to me right now, wiping the drool off her mouth while we're talking about over sexy Chris Hemsworth. Uh, Chris Hemsworth thought his Ghostbusters performance would ruin his career. Uh, it turns out that much like a, a lot of us, this uh, Paul, uh, what's his, what's the director's name? Paul Feige? Yeah, Paul Feige. This Paul Feige directed film um, didn't necessarily leave the greatest taste in Chris Hemsworth's mouth either as far as what his perception of his career afterwards um, would be uh, in a conversation this time with GQ Hemsworth admitted the, imp the improv, improv, I can't read improv, 
improvisational style. The script worried him to the point that he thought the role would ruin his career. He was quoted as saying, I said to Paul Feige, the director, there's not a whole lot of things on this page. Like, what do you want me to do? He said, oh, we'll figure it out when we when you get here. Hemsworth shared. So I said, okay, why not? Let's go. And then there it turns out the studio the day before we started shooting, he handed me a script. I read the script and I said, there's still nothing here. Like, what am I doing? The, act- the actor said, Feige then informed him that they'd be improving. And my impro- improvisational skills uh, was that this is not only the end of my career, but I'm going to ruin this film, Hemsworth said. I'm going to let everyone down. I'm going to have, I'm, I haven't done this before. What am I doing? So the man behind Marvel Thor explained that he overcame his nervousness thanks to the sense of camaraderie and collaboration on the Ghostbusters set. And he was soon focused on the wacky adventures of discovering who his character was. He also revealed that 90% of the movie was improv. And in the moment, Hemsworth then spoke at length about how much he eventually enjoyed and learned from that experience. Look, that's crazy considering like he saves this movie. He is like the bright spot of this movie with his, his comedy. And like, I didn't know that Chris Hemsworth really had that kind of comedic timing um, before. And then you see him in that Ghostbusters movie. And then you see him in Thor Ragnarok. And then you see him as the hologram in Jane Silent Bob uh, reboot and Kevin Smith's movie. And you just kind of see this, this humorous side of Chris Hemsworth come out. And I think in a lot of people's opinion, he is the bright spot of that reboot and a reason to watch that reboot. Look, I know this reboot gets a lot of flack. It gets a lot of hate. I've said it sucks. It's not bad. I'll watch it if it's on TV, if there's nothing else on. It's good for what it is, but it's not a connection. I think the reason it got so much hate is because it's not the connection the fans wanted. They didn't want a reboot. They wanted a continuation. We got that with Ghostbusters Afterlife, and now I kind of feel like maybe, maybe we can soften our our stance a little bit on this Ghostbusters reboot and that it, and, and enjoy it for what it is, and that it's not as bad as everyone made it out to be. Yeah, there's there's some bad parts in it, and the direction they went with some things I didn't like, and you know they didn't need all the shouting and all the craziness. But Chris Hemsworth as Kevin was one of the best parts of this movie and bright spots. And it's definitely worth checking out just for his uh, improvisation now. So now that we know that he improved everything, I think it makes his character that much better in this movie. So there you go. I jumped too many slides here. Uh, One punch fans rejoice. As we got some news on the One Punch Man live action movie, um, for a long time, this movie was was in, in in quiet. I know we got the announcement a few years ago that they were working on a One Punch Man movie, and there was not any movement on it. But it looks like it is finally moving forward. As Justin Lin will be overseeing the movie for Sony Pictures, and the internet is making the perfect casting uh, for the. What they're saying, listen, this is the internet's opinion here. The internet is undefeated. We all know that when it comes to memes, memes, but take its opinion with a grain of salt here. They're saying that Jesse Eisenberg would be the perfect casting for Saitama. I don't know if I feel that way because they're saying he's a he's a scrawny, wimpy-looking dude who looks good bald, and they could find anyone, really, that fits that mold, I think, but... Um, Justin Lin, a Fast and Furious director. We know how Fast and Furious goes over the top and can get crazy. So I think Justin Lin is, as far as the action goes, it's probably a very good choice by Sony to to oversee this film. Uh, it doesn't necessarily say he's directing it. Uh, it just says that he is overseeing it, uh, which I'm sure is probably going to turn into him directing it, if nothing else. But... If you don't know One Punch Man, if you're new to the game and you haven't ever seen One Punch Man, I highly recommend watching One Punch Man. It's kind of the story of a man who was tired of being weak, tired of being picked on, tired of never being able to fend off the bully. So he took 
matters into his own hands and he does this vigorous workout regimen with like a hundred, I think it's like, well, like a hundred squats, hundred sit-ups, hundred push-ups, you know, something like run X amount of miles a day, crazy stuff like that. Um, that makes him super strong where he takes out his enemies and one punch. He's pretty much undefeated, indestructible. And he, along with his mentor or well, I shouldn't say mentor mentee, cause he would be the mentor, his mentee Genos, who is a cyborg who Saitama runs into. Um, they're trying to be superheroes. They want to be superheroes. And in this world, superheroes have a ranking system S being the absolute best. So Saitama tries to become a professional superhero where Genos, Genos gets an S ranking. Saitama's not as, as lucky, but he likes it that way because he likes to kind of be lazy and he doesn't want to do anything. That's the whole reason he likes to finish fights in one punch. So it's a great, gritty, violent anime. Uh, my explanation of it does it no justice. Um, I love the show, but I think... If you want, you would go check out Sam over at Modern Comic Mayhem or um, um, Thresholds of Reality. He could probably give you a better synopsis rundown of One Punch Man because he can better articulate and put his thoughts together than I can. But I've seen the first two seasons of One Punch Man. I think the first season is vastly better. The the grittiness, the violence, the humor... Um, the animation style, the difference in animation styles, I think is fantastic. How will this transition to live action? Probably the same way Dragon Ball Evolution transitioned. Probably not that well, but I'm here for it nonetheless. I'm a Dragon Ball mark. I'm a One Punch Man mark. I will be there in the seats <clears throat> to see a live action One Punch Man. Because let's be honest, it's 2022. This movie might come out 2023 or later. It can't be as bad as the live ad action adaptation of The Last Airbender. It can't be as bad as the live action adaptation of Dragon Ball and Dragon Ball Evolution. It's got to go somewhere, right? It's It's got to be better than that, right? One can only hope. And I hope that Saitama, like his name says, one punches it out of the park and, and ends the curse of terrible anime adaptations. Because Ghost in the Shell wasn't that great either. I'm here to tell you. So <clears throat> the live action Ghost in the Shell that is. The animation, the anime is fantastic. The live action, not so much. So here's hoping, fingers crossed, ladies and gentlemen, fingers crossed that Justin Lin can produce a good, good uh, One Punch Man movie. And uh, yeah, hopefully we'll hear more from what's going on with that soon. Moving on to Kenobi. Let's review Kenobi. All right. This week's episode of Kenobi is brought to you by Admiral Akbar Cheerios. No, it's not. Um, it's this week's episode of Kenobi saw a continuation from last week as it usually does, as Kyle would say. Um, but Kenobi is with the other refugees and they're trying to getting ready to try and escape and transport and he feels that Vader is coming for them when O'Shea Jackson Jr.'s character says the, you know, everything, they're in this, like, fortress or base, I should say, and they're getting ready to transport people out. And Obi wants to get Leia home, and O'Shea Jackson Jr.'s character says, well, we have to get all these people out. I'm going to help you. I want to help you. I want to get her home safe. But we got to get these people out first, and then we could do, I can help you as my duty is to them. Kenobi agrees to help in any way he can. And then we see, uh, I can't think of the name of her little robot goes in and it is being, you know, they put the tracker on the robot and now the robot is being controlled by the empire goes in, cuts the power to the, the base, the doors close and now they are trapped and the empire is looming on top of them. Vader knows where they're at. Vader is, ready to strike. We see a lot of good flashback sequences to Obi-Wan and Vader. And well, I shouldn't say Vader, Obi-Wan and Anakin training. Um, and, a, and a, we got the big lightsaber battle that we were promised by Kathleen Kennedy and everyone else. And it wasn't flashback sequence. Unfortunately, I like the way this episode handled flashbacks and present time stuff. Uh, it didn't linger too long in either. Um, 
and so vader is on his way but the third but the third sister reva shows up and we find out like we all thought from her conversation with obi-wan that reva was the young girl from episode one who sat there and watched anakin slaughter all the young ones so she has this beef with anakin and her whole mission for searching out obi-wan is to have vader get his guard down so that she could finish off vader and kill him to get revenge for her for him slaughtering her family which she considered those younglings to be her family so in doing so as they're laying siege to the base as the empire's leading 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 siege to the base obi-wan and reva have a conversation and and obi-wan is like look i can help you he's like you're hunting vader he's not hunting me you're hunting him you're you're not you know basically you're waiting for the perfect time to strike so they continually sage leads lay siege i can't talk they continue to lay siege to the base and as they're doing so they pretend to they capture kenobi she says we have him um vader you know basically says he's already lost yada 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 vader comes down and they're about to he's going through the base looking for obi-wan and as he enters the rebel base they try to the ship tries to take off and vader busts out some badass force unleashed style jedi or i shouldn't say jedi but you know sith force manipulation and he grabs the ship out of the sky forcing it back down to the ground and then ripping it open. And as he does that, another ship takes off because Leia, I forgot this part, Leia actually is in the vents trying to fix the doors because nobody else is big enough to fit to the vent. So she finds that the, you know, what her robot cut to close the doors. And so they get them open and they take off in the ship. The highlight of this episode was the vader first of all it was the the flashback to the lightsaber duel of obi-wan and anakin and just kind of i you know there's a lot of things that reminisce that they use to resonate from the past to the future in this and there's you know a lot of times there's a couple parts that say you know Er anakin's wanting to always attack and never think about defend or or to underestimate his opponent essentially is what makes him always the paddle on and, and makes him, him weak in a sense, I guess, um, prevents him from, I guess, I don't know, retrieving his greatest potential, but the, that duel or sparring match was really good to see. Um, it was good to see the different styles between Obi-Wan and Anakin. My biggest gripe with that is that Hayden Christensen, looks so much older than you and mcgregor there like dude they when they first cut to him you see the crow's feet on his face on his eyes and it's like yo you spend all this money to de-age luke skywalker you can't de-age anakin skywalker like come on but i guess hayden christensen's still young enough where you can kind of get away with it they didn't really show his face or a close-up on his face too much that's why i think they kept him moving so much but that was my big grab was like yo Anakin looks like he's about 45 and been a heavy drinker and Obi-Wan looks like he's like 25. <laughs> so it's, that's an over-exaggeration, but you get my point. Um, overall, I really like this episode. I wish more of Kenobi was like this. I've complained about the continuity areas in the past. I'm not going to do that. Like you got to see a lot of cool Jedi stuff here. You got to see all the Jedi writing on the wall. You got to see the light old Jedi lightsabers. Jedi robes, kind of just items that have been discarded from these Jedis who are on the run since Order 66. And I'm interested in that. I wish we could see a little bit more of that. I wish, you know, there was a little bit more to Kenobi. I'm sorry that we only have one episode left, but this was probably by far my favorite episode. It was the strongest episode for me. I liked the, the flashback stuff. I liked Vader being Vader. I liked the badass lightsaber fight between reva I, I left that out too that reva um as the sh- ship is leaving reva is 
uses that as a distraction to try and attack Vader. And Vader basically four stops there and says he was wise to use you against me. And she's trying to like hack and slash at him. And he's stopping her with all these like force movements and using the force strongly against her. And their lightsaber fight is good. And she even does the double blade and starts spinning and Vader stops it with a force and breaks it in half and throws it to her before he guts her lightsaber through the gut. Um, and, uh, then you see that the grand inquisitor was never dead. He makes his, his way back and they leave her for dead. But through all the commotion, Kanil Najiami's character, the guy who pretending to be a Jedi, Obi-Wan gave him his lightsaber and, um, a hologram with, uh, I think, see, um, Organa Leia's dad, essentially, um, his message about Luke and she, they, it gets dropped on the ground. And of course she finds it plot plotter device, right? She finds it on the ground, crawls over to it. And it says something about the boy and basically information about tattooing and Luke Skywalker. And it closes on with Obi-Wan being like, there's a disturbance in the force. He's like, something's not right. And then it cuts to a shot of Luke Skywalker laying in his bed on Tatooine. Now back to, I love the fight lightsaber fight with Vader and Reva. I like that stuff. I like the lightsaber fight in the duel in the past between Obi-Wan and Anakin. Um, like I said, I wish more of Kenobi was like this. And I kind of wish it was more like Kenobi's journals versus what we got versus this like Kenobi and Leia's grand adventure type deal. Um, Cause it still presents that, that minor continuity here of, <clears throat> does Leia really know, you know, Leia didn't know Obi-Wan. It's implied that heavily that Leia didn't know Obi-Wan. And I know for a damn sure back when George Lucas wrote the original star Wars, he didn't intend for it to sound like Leia knew Obi-Wan. Um, but whatever it, it just, I just hope that we don't get an even bigger con- continuity or um, I'm interested to hear what your thoughts on how the final episode of Kenobi goes how it's going to end. Are they going to make her the new Darth Maul? Are they going to have Vader to use that information to get back in the good graces of Vader to try and double cross the Grand Inquisitor like he did to get one up on him? Are we going to see Vader go to Tatooine? Are we going to get a one final lightsaber fight between Vader and Obi-Wan on Tatooine? I doubt it because that would create a monstrous continuity error. But who knows? Who knows where this is going? Um, if you want to know, make sure to check out Tales from the Dark Side over on Renovision Sunday nights. Pete, Marco, Jedi Johnson, JJ, all those guys, Dom, all those guys over there that you covered with all your Star Wars knowledge, all your Star Wars information, anything you want on Star Wars, those are the guys to see. Um, but I'm interested to hear what your thoughts on Kenobi is. Do you like it? Do you not like it? Why? Are you just along for the ride and you don't really care about all the issues are you someone who's a big stickler for the issues let me know in the comments or uh you know in the comment section of where you listen to this podcast because i definitely would like to hear your opinion on kenobi but again i really enjoyed this episode i hope you guys did too moving on speaking of star wars sticking in that universe bryce dallas howard that's right bryce dallas howard Ron Howard's daughter, stars of the um, Jurassic Park sequels. Reacts to fans want to hear direct Star Wars films, and her reaction is pure joy. She said that uh, Favreau came back from Star Wars Celebration and said that there was a lot of chatter and buzz about how people wanted her to direct more Star Wars after her episodes of The Mandalorian. I believe she did some episodes, uh, directed some stuff on Black Mirror too, but her Mandalorian episodes are some of my favorites. I think she's a fantastic director. She is just finding her footing. She has not really directed big motion, major motion picture films yet, but I think Star Wars is in good hands with Bryce Dallas Howard. I think she would do it justice. I think she would be really, really great as a director of a Star Wars franchise. Tika YT's getting his own. Um, Johnson's getting another go at it. I would like to see them kind of let that Bryce Dallas Howard take that next step and take on a major Star Wars film. 
rather than just a couple episodes of the Mandalorian um, and whatnot. But again, from what she's directed from star Wars is fantastic. I can't wait for more. Uh, I say, give it her a go. I say, let her have the, let her have the reins, let her go. Let's see what happens because it can't get much worse than, in my opinion, it can't get much worse than the last Jedi. Moving on, Avatar The Last Airbender. Oh, man. Let me tell you my love for this series. As as a new father to a five-month-old, I want to share my nerdum with her. Like Some of my things that I'm looking forward to more is like sharing this this community with her and, and my love for these things with her. Even if she doesn't end up being into it, I just want to make sure like we get that that bonding and that experience together and what better thing to bond with your child over than avatar the last airbender i am such a huge fan of this series the original series the three books with following ang's adventure plus the uh legend of Korra stuff all fantastic i love it all and thank you to paramount pictures and nickelodeon who announced that we are getting a trilogy of avatar the last airbender animated motion pictures that are coming they haven't really announced what the the um the premise of the movies are going to be i have a feeling that it's probably going to be based off of a lot of the three the comic books that have come out since avatar the last airbender aired um like hold on i'm pulling them up here because i can't remember the name of them and comics i know one of them is like the search for uh the search part one which is zuko searching for his mother for trying to find out what happened to his mother uh it says for years the fans of the avatar the last airbender and legend of Korra have burned with one question what happened to fire lord zuko's mother finding clues at last zuko enlists the aid of team the aid of team avatar the most unlikely of allies of all to help uncover the biggest secret of his life. So it's, he gets team avatar plus Azula, his sister to go search for his mom. And the, the search has three parts. So I wouldn't be surprised if all three movies were the search. Um, but I think you could probably cover the majority of the stuff in the search in one movie. And then there's the promise, which is another, uh, comic book story and so there's a lot of comic book related items in the last airbender universe that they can pull from and make into the three movies but i'm all there for it i'm glad to hear that they have an avatar room now i'm glad to hear that they are making more avatar content and expanding them and playing more in this world and i'd like to see more in this world beyond ang beyond Korra um maybe even in the past to see more about like kiyoshi or roku or maybe even avatars we haven't seen yet like future avatars after korra who takes over after korra who knows but i am all here for more avatar the last last airbender stuff give me more give me give me more um the promise is i think three parts as well might only be two parts but um there are like i said regardless there's the rift there are a lot of um last airbender comics out there from dark horse that can continue on this world and fill that void and i would love to see it play out in an animated movie so good on paramount studios good on sony uh why did i say sony because sony isn't involved in this are they no it's nickelodeon why did i say sony Good on Paramount Pictures. Good on Nickelodeon. I can't wait to see these these uh, three animated motion pictures from the last Airbender universe. Moving on, we got our first news at Venom 3. Tom Hardy shared the cover of the script, which he is a um, co-writer on, I guess you could say. Uh, look, Venom 1 and 2 weren't great. Venom 3, I don't hold my breath that it's going to be even any better. Uh, we'll potentially, we're potentially going to get the payoff of the end credit scene to Venom and Spider-Man No Way Home, maybe, because I think that was leaving Symbiote in the, in the Marvel Universe versus the Sony Universe, but 
I have no hopes that Venom 3 is going to be any better than Venom 1 and 2, but I can kindly kind of feel we're finally going to get that payoff. We're going to get that meeting of a Spider-Man, maybe not Tom, Tom Holland's Spider-Man, but I think we're going to get that meeting of a Spider-Man and Venom. Wouldn't be surprised if it's if it turns out to be Andrew Garfield's um, version of Spider-Man, because I kind of feel like since this movie, for all intents and purposes, what we know is set in the same universe as Morbius, I kind of feel like Andrew Garfield, and since they already established that it's a different dimension, and now they went as far as taking Adrian Toomes, a.k.a. the Vulture, out of uh, Tom Holland's Spider-Man universe and putting him into this universe, it only makes sense that we would have a Spider-Man who hasn't had a run-in with anyone yet. So, you know, Tommy McGuire has his Venom. We have this different version of Venom. It would make sense for, uh, you know, Adrian Toomes is from Tom Holland's universe. So it makes sense that this Andrew Garfield will be the Spider-Man of this universe. Supposedly, we're supposed to find out who the Spider-Man of this universe is sooner rather than later. But who knows? But I just think that that's what the focus on Venom 3 is going to be, is the finally the introduction to Spider-Man and that universe. Um, will that change the game? Who knows? There seems to be a rejuvenation of um, Garfield fans and call for Garfield to get another crack at a Spider-Man movie. Uh, I, If he's in it, let's be honest, if he's in it, I'm going to see it. But... I'm not sold on Venom 3. I guess I'll have to see, hear what the plot is first and hear what their ideas are. But so far, they've kind of went very left field with his character um, as far as his roots in the, that are rooted hard in the Marvel Universe and Marvel Comics. But who knows? Maybe the third one will be, maybe third time's the charm for this franchise. But I don't know. Moving on to our next topic tonight. <laughs> Vince McMahon, the old chairman of WWE, is being investigated by his board for a secret $3 million hush pact that he entered into with a former female employee that he was rumored to be having sex with. And it was going to come out. She was an employee of WWE. Um, Nobody knows who it is yet, uh, but they got wind of this secret affair and that Vince McMahon paid her $3 million kind of like a uh, NDA hush hush. I think they're probing to find out if there's any more. Um, So it says uh, in January, 2022 separation agreement bars, the now former employee who was hired as a paralegal in 2019 from discussing her relationship with Vince McMahon, Vince McMahon or dis, are disparaging him um, in any way. So there you go. Pay attention to that. Could be turmoil within WWE even more than it is. Uh, WWE is still profitable despite laying off a bunch of their employees and wrestlers. Um, over the last couple of months and years, but maybe maybe it's because Vince McMahon needed to get his million dollar hush money. Who knows? But in a world where you know you see the NFL wrapped in turmoil with Deshaun Watson and all those allegations against him, I think it's up to like twenty six now allegations against him, and now you're getting allegations against Vince McMahon outside of the Me Too movement. Um. Who knows where this goes from here, but it's just, I figured I'd throw some wrestling news in there because it's a big, it's, it's shaking the the foundation of the biggest wrestling company in the world. Like WWE is where most professional wrestlers end goal is, is they strive to get to, and who knows what the landscape of that's going to look like. And it would make a lot of sense as to why they've been trying to sell or rumored to be trying to sell that company because Vince was just waiting for this news to come out, but who knows? I'm not up to date on the latest greatest on the situation. I just know that as a professional wrestling fan, it's very intriguing that the WWE board is looking into the, what I don't even know, 
chief executive officer or chief executive of the company. I think that's his official title. Um, paying hush money to a departed employee you had an alleged affair with. So who knows? And it, it apparently it was leaked by people who are close to this person. So who who knows what the real story is? I'm not going to throw blame or, or anything like that. But, you know, if he was unfaithful to his wife, that's, of course, discouraging. But who knows, man? We, we live in a crazy time. But moving on to another WWE, ex-WWE employee, current AEW star Jeff Hardy, who was recently arrested for um, another DUI. And he was seen apparently the night before throwing back. He's a musician also. He was throwing back whiskey shots that night and then he got in his car and started driving and apparently there i mean you could see of it everywhere there's dash cam footage from the cops pull him over and they've got him at gunpoint at certain points and they're pulling their guns on him um people they say in the video that people were calling 911 because he was erratically driving on the road the sentence isn't his first defense he's uh, one of my favorite wwe superstars of all time um i love me some good old school hardy boys matches um jeff in particular has always been one of my favorites but he's got a real substance abuse problem this he's been in and out of rehabs and wwe was focusing on helping him and now AEW has since suspended him without pay as and are focusing on helping him and, and wanting him to get into treatment programs which apparently he's open to but it's just another relapse long line of relapses that jeff hardy has had i hope jeff hardy gets help this time i hope he can stay clean but unfortunately, in my opinion, this is just my opinion, podcaster online, that Jeff Hardy's issues won't, he won't be successful in getting help until he gets out of the wrestling industry and retires. He gets, he gets sober, and then he goes right back to throwing himself off top of ladders, off cages, crashing down through chairs, doing all this crazy high-flying stuff that he used to be able to do when he's younger. His body has since paid the for it and now he's beat up and he's probably in a lot of pain he's probably using this as a lot of wrestlers do to to numb the pain and the numb the pain of everyday life from taking all these bumps and bruises they'll turn to to prescription drugs or alcohol or what have you to help get from day to day and in territory to territory stop to stop show to show whatever it is um but i think that jeff hardy's real chain clean only comes once he has retired from professional wrestling and is no longer seeking um glory in professional wrestling which he he doesn't need to honestly because he's he's done it all he's been champion everywhere he's gone he's a multi-time tag team champion in every promotion he's been with with his brother matt he's got really nothing left to prove so i'd rather see jeff hardy walk away from wrestling and get clean and sober for his kids and his wife and his family and have a good longevity of life outside of wrestling than to constantly have these brush-ups with the law some of them are very serious in in the past very serious allegations he's had a, facing him in the past but all in all i just hope jeff hardy gets the help he needs and um as a wrestling fan a longtime jeff hardy fan that's really all i want um and the the show tonight rounded out we're gonna talk miss marvel episode two i enjoyed this episode um we saw more of camilla khan testing her powers out with bruno um trying to get a control of them we haven't really figured out more about the bracelet but she keeps getting those those flashbacks they meet a new kid in school who is very um odd who seems to know or have some sort of connection to camilla to camilla khan you don't really get know that yet but they have kind of like a little romance type thing and then they go to um i like that you got to see a little bit more of their culture in this episode you got to see them going to the the mosque you got to see them you know doing the whole feet washing thing the praying all the that you know muslim stuff that a lot of us non-muslims aren't privy to or don't get to see that often. I'm glad. I'm glad we got to see that a little bit. I'm glad that it wasn't over overdone. It was just the right amount. Um, it wasn't very like shoved down your throat, as um, you know, religion can be sometimes in certain things. But 
I thought it was tastefully done. Then you see her at the fair and her friend is running. I'm assuming for like president of the mosque or board of the mosque or something along those lines. And um, they're having this big festival and Camilla is trying to find out more about her great grandmother because her great grandmother, she asked her grandmother about it and her grandmother says, Oh, well, she's been outcast. She was, Oh, a, um, she brought shame to this family and her mom kind of reiterates that too. When Camilla brings her up to her mom asking about her, she talks about the shame that her, her great grandmother brought on the family and, and everything like that. Um, they're at the, the festival talking with all of like, I guess you'd call them. I think she refers to him as aunt, but you know, a lot of the different groups there. And she's a lot of the, the elder women, in this group and they're talking about how they knew her great grandmother, basically the same thing, the shame she brought on the family and kind of why she was ousted and, and things like that. And then uh, a little boy who's in a tower taking selfies and using those damn snap chat filters falls out, forcing Camilla to try to save him um, with powers. And as she's doing so, the bracelet gives her another flashback where she's a woman standing there, and as she saves the kid and she's trying to get away, the Department of Damage Control, which you see from the very the after credit scene of the first episode, and that are interrogating Ned, MJ, uh, May, in Spider-Man No Way Home, are going after her Kamala, and they they interrogated the woman or the little girl who Kamala saves in the first episode, dressed as Miss Marvel at Avengers con um, they're interrogating her first and they get a hit on that Kamala has been sighted. So they try to get her and they try to attack her with Stark drones that you see in Spider-Man no way home. And she beats those. And as she's on the ground from falling, uh, this new kid shows up in the car and says, get in. And he knows he seems to know Kamala has powers. And as they're driving away, uh, a voice says from the backseat, I've been waiting for a long time to meet you, Kamala. She turns around. It's what assumes seems to be her grand, great grandmother. Um, it is, you know, the same woman she's been having these dreams about, or not dreams about, but visions. Um, so essentially, her great grandmother, um, and she's related to this new guy that she's crushing on. Who knows? It's it's been a good series so far. Ple- pleasantly enjoyable. I'm enjoying it a lot more than I thought I was going to. Uh, there's a lot of comic nostalgia that's going into this. Um, I can kind of feel like it's her great grandmother, uh, who's part of the clandestines, um, and you know they're known for living a long time, so that would make sense if that was his mother. I don't know. We're gonna hopefully see more coming from this. I enjoyed it for what it is. Uh, I'm enjoying Miss Marvel a lot more than I thought I was going to. I can't wait to see more. I can't wait to see it goes. I'm intrigued for Wednesdays. There's just so much to watch, man. But I'd say give the first two episodes of Miss Marvel a try. Listen, it's not, we're not the target audience. We talked about that, like 20 plus 30 year old, 40 year old dudes, whatever show you watch online are not the target audience for this. Um, but it's very well done. It gives me very a lot of Spider-Man homecoming. Um it's very quirky and it's very like Marvel Disney plus and Marvel have finally found their footing. I think with these Disney plus shows and they know what they're doing and I'm here for it. I'm enjoying it for what it is. Um, and I look forward to more from Miss Marvel, but that's it guys. That's our show this week. Almost one hour. Look at that. Boom, bang, boom. Um, thank everyone for checking out uh, this playback uh, again, make sure to check out Pete and Marco and the boys over at Renovisions on Wednesday and Sunday. Um, you can check out Kyle. If you still are, you know, go check out Kyle and modern Comic mayhems and Saturday nights. Make sure to check out our others to content on the channel, man. Make sure to check out the, the absolute geek quickies. Make sure to check out uh, my playthrough of the first two levels of, Teenage Mutant Turtles Shredder's Revenge. Uh, let us know what more content you want to see on the channel. If you want to see more stuff like that, if you want to see different kinds of stuff, let us know. If this is your first time finding us, make sure to hit that like button. 
Make sure to subscribe. Join the Absolute Geek Army. Have a great time. Be active in our live chat. Be part of the family because that's on. And honestly, what we are here at the end of the day is one giant community, one giant family. Um, so yeah, get make sure to go like the quickie, get entered, leave a comment, get entered in that pops giveaway. Uh, leave a comment down below. Subscribe to the channel so we can get you in the drawing for that T-shirt. And uh, yeah, so for this episode of the Absolute Geek Podcast, I'm Matt. And we will definitely, definitely see you next time. All you freaks and geeks. Come all you freaks and geeks. Let's listen to Absolute Geek. Absolute Geek. We'll go ahead and spread our cheeks. Spread the cheeks. And drink and some Cosby wine. <laughs> we'll Come drink on, some Cosby wine. It makes me feel real fine. <laughs> See you next time Ooh. on the Absolute Geek.